Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Well, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. I'm Guile, Guile and Subterfuge on Tumblr, and tonight I am joined by Clotho. Hi, I'm Clotho, Clotho Spindle on Tumblr. Eon? Hey, this is Eon, I'm Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. Devin? Hey, this is Devin, I'm GD Harpo on Tumblr and Twitter. And Wonkins. I am Wonkins, and I am Wonkins on Tumblr. So you guys, you may have noticed, but we have a double dude day. So this is pretty... (laughs) Pretty amazing in podcast history. And to mark the occasion, we are going to be finishing up our coverage of the Duncan Egg books with part three of The Mystery Night. Uh, just to remind everyone, in part two, Dunk got his hungover ass beat by Sir Uther Underleaf and uncovered a traitorous plot involving blackfires and dragon eggs. So are we ready to go on to part three? Yep. Sure. Okay. <laughs> looking, looking for a little validation, folks. <laughs> um, so we pick up the story back on the tourney grounds, and John the Fiddler defeats another opponent as Dunk slowly realizes that the entire tourney is being manipulated to make sure that the Fiddler is the winner. And the only person who stands in the way is Glendon Ball. And Dunk watches helplessly as Lord Peak accuses Sir Glendon of stealing the dragon's egg. Alan Cockshaw, who, as a reminder, is the Fiddler's apparent long-term boyfriend, lures Dunk away from the scene by implying he knows something about where Egg is missing, the squire, not the poultry. Um, Cockshaw pulls a knife on the unarmed Dunk and leads him to a well. He reveals that the Fiddler is indeed Damon Blackfire and that he's a super jealous boyfriend who is more than ready to throw <laughs> Dunk in a well. <laughs> Did anyone, I mean, that's what it was that, all about. Trying to be like, oh, you're taking my place in the King's Guard. No, no, no. That had nothing to do with it. It was 100% like jealous boyfriend trying to get rid of his rival. He was afraid of losing the sausage. The the first time I read this, I didn't catch the uh, homoeroticism. But uh, on the reread, when you guys pointed it out to me, then I caught it. Yeah, I'm totally there with Wonkins on that because the first time I read it, it totally went over my head, and now it's like totally blatantly obvious. Yeah, I didn't get it first either. <laughs> so you guys are all a bunch of dunks, basically. Yeah. 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 as a castle wall. <laughs> so Dunk is eventually able to loosen a stone in the well, and he uses it to fight back, and eventually kicks Cockshaw into the into the well himself. And he turns around and finds that none other than Maynard Plume witnessed the entire event. And there's a great little description of Dunk seeing him, which I'll read. Dunk whirled. Through the rain, all he could make out was a hooded shape and a single pale white eye. It was only when the man came forward that the shadowed face beneath the cowl took on the familiar features of Sir Maynard Plume. The pale eye no more than the moonstone brooch that pinned his cloak at the shoulder. Dun, dun, dun. So, did you guys have any idea on your first read through who um, Maynard Plum could be, or did this even uh, make did this any make any impression on you? 
yeah, I didn't I didn't realize who it was until my second read through. But the first time, I just took it at face value as he was a he was a some plum guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, me too. I had no clue that it was Blood Raven. Yeah, and I think the the brooch I think is the cl- you know the clue, and we see you know Melisandre has this has this brooch that's transforming her as well. Although I guess we've never really seen her transform in the books, obviously. But um, you know, we see we know that brooch. I know she uses the brooch on um. Rattleshirt and Mance Raider, right? Yep. Okay. I didn't even yeah, get was, it until you just mentioned was, it just now. <laughs> that was the first big clue, and and just describing it as a single pale eye, but so that but that if that wasn't like enough to convince you, then later Dunk tries to look in at the guy's face, and like the harder he looks at him, the more swirly, mysterious right. his face gets, and he can't like. So that's definitely glamour type description it's sort of like there's a little meme that was going around twitter this week about you know george just trying to lay hints that jamie and brianna are a thing and then george jamie and brianna are a thing like if we're not getting it the first time he just sort of (laughs) will hammer it down a little bit um so plum uh patches up dunk and tells him more about the plotting and that egg is with the gods, and Dunk is getting pissed because he thinks egg is dead and and Plum is just speaking in riddles, and Dunk is getting so frustrated until he finally just tells him, "Look, he's in the sept, and you probably need to go yeah. arm." <laughs> is that clear enough? <laughs> I think this scene is awesome to think that these two legends, like one time, Sir Duncan the Tall had his hands around the throat of Blood Raven and almost broke his neck. Like that's an amazing scene. If once you realize what's <laughs> that going is on, really cool. Yeah, and like did. did think- Okay, did Dunk ever get this? So I obviously missed this in reading. I feel like an idiot, but <laughs> did Dunk no. get it or no? So, no. Okay, so. at the, at the, okay, I don't feel as bad. The, we'll get there at the end, but um, when Blood Raven's rounding up all the prisoners and stuff, um, Dunk kind of thinks to himself that Plum just kind of disappeared into the sea of prisoners. Yeah. Oh, okay. like, I, I thought he was just like a you know somebody they hired to work for them. But then I guess I was thinking, oh, he kind of like. He sort of seemed like his looks wise, he could have been a Targaryen because they mentioned like the didn't he have blonde hair or something? I don't know. So um, there's this great little, pa- really short passage in Uther Underleaf's tent that I wanted to read. Uh, Dunk's first stop was Sir Uther. Uther. <laughs> I don't know why I'm making myself say it. Uther <laughs> Underleaf even more since I couldn't say it last week. Um, his first stop was Sir Uther Underleaf's pavilion. When Dunk slipped inside, he found only the squire Will bent over a wash tub, scrubbing out his master's small clothes. Aside, Will must have the worst job ever. Mm. <laughs> you again? Sir Uther is at the feast. What do you want? My sword and my shield. Have you brought the ransom? No. Then why would I let you take your arms? I have need of them. That's no good reason. How about try and stop me and I'll kill you? Will gaped. They're over there. <laughs> 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 that line like the way I was because I was listening I've been going back and forth reading an audiobook and it was just the delivery was like it was like something could be in a movie or something totally. <laughs> I mean this you. whole part of it feels so um, so absolutely easy to um, you know so easy to translate into a into a movie yeah oh yeah <laughs> so Dunk um, Dunk goes to the sept and he finds Egg and he's literally lording over um, Butterwell who's basically groveling at his feet. 
and Butterwell claims that as Plum also as Plum also said that he had doubts about the whole affair, mostly because if Bittersteel found, you know, John the Fiddler slash Damon worthy enough, he would have given him his father's sword, Blackfire. And if he doesn't have the sword, you know, he's he doesn't think that he's worthy. And Egg explains that he went to send a raven to his father, which Dunk assumes was so that his um, maker would send money to ransom Dunk's arms and horse. And when he showed the maester his ring, the maester brought him to Lord's Frame Butterwell, which pretty much meant the meant the gig was up. And I have a little passage, another passage I wanted to read, and I just need to find a second to find it. Um, Dunk, or Egg, says, I didn't know what else to do, sir. The, ma- the maester brought me to them once he saw my father's ring. Them? Lord Butterwell and Lord Frey, sir. Some guards were there as well. Everyone was upset. Someone stole the dragon's egg. Not you, I hope. Egg shook his head. No, sir. I knew I was in trouble when the maester showed Lord Butterwell my ring. I thought about saying that I'd stolen it, but I didn't think he would believe me. Then I remembered this one time I heard my father talking about something Lord Bloodraven said, about how it was better to be frightening than frightened. So I told him that my father had sent us here to spy for him, that he was on his way here with an army, that his lordship had best release me and give up his treason, or it would mean his head. He smiled a shy smile. It worked better than I thought it would, sir. <laughs> Bold. Oh, he's got some giant dragon's eggs, that egg. Because, I mean, can you imagine just a kid doing that? And it's like, oh. what if they didn't believe him? I mean, so they confident. could have been like, oh, you stupid little kid, we're just going to kill you. Or and what egg... if they believed him and just were like, we're going to kill you? <laughs> oh, gosh. There's so many things that could happen. Which is why he wanted to clout him on the air again. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so we learned that Lord Frey left at the news, but of course Lord Butterwell didn't have that option. And, you know, he's essentially lost control of this whole enterprise, which is pretty obvious when Black Tom Heddle, which as an aside, does anyone kind of assume that he's a relative of like Masha Heddle? Yeah. And Jane? Yeah. It's, it's spelled, spelled differently. Oh, is, is it? It, oh. it is? Oh, uh, I could be wrong. Okay. Um, well, he enters the sept and he tries to take Egg, even offering the men there a stag to the first to draw blood, which, you know, is pretty freaking evil when you think about it. Like, he's like his 10-year-old mm, kid. Um, yeah. But Dunk, of course, pulls Egg behind him, and though he's quite injured, he fights Heddle. And there's a great, oh, you know, we, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's spelled the same. Sorry, I was wrong. But since Masha Heddle's like a s- small folk, it's yeah. probably one of those um, names like... You know, people who make wire fences are called coppers. And, oh. You know what okay. I'm saying? Like, a, a blacksmith will have the oh, last okay. name of Smith. It's probably one of those yeah. type things. I don't know what a heddle is, but I don't think there's... <laughs> is there a house heddle? Sorry, I'm getting distracted. I don't... You know, it could be yeah. like a thing where there's, like, the pools and the, um, the pools and the castles who are not really a house, but they're kind of a house. So it could be a, a situation like that, even, where they're you know, like this very minor kind of servant house or something even. Oh, I don't know uh, the right term for it. Yeah, House Heddle is a noble house of landed knights in the Riverlands. Oh, okay. Well, well maybe after this, they kind of lost all their land and... and oh, the yeah, end. hey. <laughs> so, um, as they're fighting, we get to see Egg with his last catchphrase, which is, get him, sir, he heard Egg call. Get him, get him. He's, He's right, right there. there. <laughs> Which he always, yeah, that's kind of his thing that he always said. And 
I like, you know, Dunk is in the middle of this battle and he has this little, you know, he has these like rhymes that I think he uses as, are they, is it a mnemonic device? Is that what they're called? Like to prompt your, you know, prompt your memory. And he's thinking about his shield and he's oak and iron guard me well. Or else I'm dead and doomed to hell. Like, yeah, a little protective. He has things, all these like, uh, rhyming yeah. things in his head. His good yeah, luck. Yeah, but then his, he remembers the shield that he has is made of pine. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, Tom Heddle is just an asshole. Like, there's that one point. You know, you are no knight," said Black Tom. "Are those tears in your eyes, Oaf? And you know, tears of pain that Dunk feels. And eventually, um. Dunk basically attacks him back with his shield and is able to kill him. Which, um, it, you know, I know we're going to have a whole episode of the of the Dunk and Brienne parallels, but it very much felt like a lot of the fights that we see Brienne fight where it kind of comes down to brute strength, and that's how she, you know, that's how she makes it out of it. Yeah, people underestimating him. I don't think anyone's underestimating Dunk. Though. Well, That's probably he one of said the something. That... He made a comment that he he was good at a but with a sword. So I think they thought because he fell off and got knocked off at the tilt. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was yeah. sort of yeah. the insinuation I got from that. Yeah. No, I, I li- think that. Right. I like how this represents um, you know, the the night training doesn't really matter, but like deep in his core of who Dunk is, like he just he reverts to his brawling and like all the you could give all the nightly training you want, but that doesn't ever make a true knight. Because there are so few actual true knights in Westeros, because it's it all depends on who you have at the start before their training. Yeah, I wonder if it's also kind of you know how Bronn defeats Vardis Egan in Game of Thrones, and you know it's that street fighting and brawling, and you know he didn't fight with honor. Well, he you know not that I think Black Tom Heddle has a lot of honor here, but yeah, I mean to your point, all of the knightly training kind of doesn't mean anything when you're in a fight for your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, jousting is all just um, bells and whistles. Really help yeah, that. yeah. No, I mean exactly. Um, so with Heddle defeated, Dunk tells Egg to get out of the castle with Butterwell, but to lose him and head for Maidenpool. And in the meantime, Dunk goes into the main hall and he finds a despondent Sir Kyle. Kyle, who tells I'm like. <laughs> I have like a mental issue where I have to say his name like that. Sorry. Um, <laughs> who tells him that they took Sir Glenn into the dungeons, and Dunk knows what he what he has to do. And this was to me, this is like his no chance, no chance and no choice moment. You know, he could have gone away with Egg, and here he is walking up to the days, calling Damon by his name and demanding justice for Sir Glendon. And Sir Kyle, to his credit, kind of, like, like, he's just swaying, like he says, he's, like, slightly swaying. Like, so he's still kind of drunk, but he gets up and he backs him up. And, you know, they say Damon must know that Glennon didn't steal the egg because he was at watching the tourney the whole day. And, you know, to his credit, Damon is somewhat receptive to believing him. And he agrees that Sir Glennon can defend himself in the list. And a badly tortured Sir Glennon is brought up from the dungeons intended to by um, Duncan Sir Kyle. And I, if I were Lot, I would totally read you guys like the disgusting description <laughs> of his torture and and, and uh, injury, but not my thing. So it was pretty horrible. Poor guy. You know, I did. Yeah, I mean, just fingernails missing oh. and ugh. Yeah, just so terrible. A terrible lot happened to him. I kind of liked 
this little passage, though, as, as they're talking to him, when they're tending to him. Um, Ball nod. A black tom was going to cut off, cut my fingers off, but he was called away. Is it him I'm, that I'm to fight? No, I killed him. That made him smile. Someone had to. You're to tilt against the fiddler, but his real name is Dame and I. They told me. The black dragon. Sir Glennon laughed. My father died for his. I would have been his man and gladly. I would have fought for him, killed for him, died for him. But I could not lose for him. He turned his head and spat out a broken tooth. Could I have a cup of wine? (laughs) And, you know, I just... I love I, I love that passage because it's yeah. exactly it. You know, like here they are totally taking advantage of poor Sir Glendon, who is exactly the kind of person that they actually would need to court. Yeah. And they just think he's worth you know, they kind of think of him as worthless. And, you know, by they, I guess to me, um you know, Damon actually on the Damon on the surface, he's not like a terrible person. He's not like a terrible prince even. Yeah, I, well, I was thinking that at the end. I was like, you know, I didn't think he was that... You know, obviously, I, I don't think he was king material, but he what, didn't seem like a horrible person. Right, and he has, like, the sense of, you know... I think he has the sense of justice to him. Like, he wouldn't be terrible, but I feel like the people that he surrounded himself mm-hmm. with, or, you know, the plotters, as it is, are the ones that, you know, are really... You know, they're the ones who lost it for him. Kind of reminded me a little bit of Renly, like in the sense of like kind of being a happy-go-lucky kind of guy. And he he does have a certain naivety if he can't realize that everyone is um, throwing the fight against him. Oh, I think he knew that because there's a point where it says he flushes about it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I I didn't get that sense because like when Dunk tells him like, um, "Hey, your buddy." Gormy has been um, paying off all of your your uh, opponents. Uh, I, I, for some reason, I thought that was the first time that yeah, he had heard. Yeah, I took it as him it. being surprised too, but I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely okay. thought he was genuinely surprised that uh, that that was happening. So he, so now I feel kind of worse for him. So I feel like he's kind of this like nice guy who is getting manipulated and like thinks he's really good. <laughs> just using him for his name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like oh, he's, he he comes off as a as, as a silly figure, kind of like uh, like a Don Quixote, where he's just yeah. he's yeah tilting at pit at people that are way above his his uh, skill level. He's just he he just comes off as a a bit of a fool for that. And we don't yeah. really know, like you know, I, you kind of feel like Bittersteel sort of has nothing to do with this. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, definitely doesn't because they were like, if bitter, uh, if we can win a few battles here and there, but we'll get bitter still across the water soon enough. So he's definitely not behind it. I think like this Damon just happened to be the next in line, yeah. and like they were just ready to go with it, and bitter still was just like, no, because he's not, he's not the right one. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, like it's like God, he, you know, like so many other, like so many people in the main story, he would have just been happy, like. You know, being a knight with his, you know, with his boyfriend and living, you know, just living like a quiet life, he probably would have been perfectly happy. And here he is, you know, getting, you know, like a Rob Stark even, you know, kind of getting mm. thrown by circumstances into, you know, something he doesn't necessarily want, I think. Yeah, he was he was shown a uh, Macbethian prophecy that kind of yeah. thrust him into this. Oh, that's true. I forgot the prof. I forgot yeah. the prophecy. Definitely had something, a lot to yeah. do with it. 
I like that the the hedge knights are the good guys, and they're acting more noble than the actual highborn. And the highborn are just acting like these what what they expect a bastard to be, you know, like back savvy and, mm-hmm. and just yeah. deceptive, duplicitous, and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly, and you know, I think Dunk and Egg kind of spell it out a little bit later, even. So, um, so they're preparing for the joust the next morning, and Damon chooses a war lance, meaning to kill Sir Glendon. But Dunk advises Glendon to use a longer tourney lance, basically knowing that it will give him the chance to strike first. And that's exactly what happens as Sir Glendon knocks the fiddler slash Damon off his horse. But I think the worst part about that is that Damon's performance incites laughter from the oh, remaining that was crowd. So, oh. And somebody even calls him the brown dragon for oh. all of the mud. And I, I think it's like he could have killed him or, you know, badly injured him and it wouldn't have been worse than having the crowd laugh at him. You know, like that's the end. Like once you're the brown dragon, like that's it. You're done. Yeah, there's no coming back yeah. from that. That's pretty that's much it. not. <laughs> no. And it just gets worse for him too when, when later on, Blood Raven shows up and he and he, he nobody will fight with him and he just yeah. rides out by himself. Oh. <laughs> it just gets worse and worse for this poor guy. So just as the joust ends, we hear trumpets outside the castle, and I'm going to read the the short little passage. It's very George R. R. Martin. From Maidenpool had come Lord Mooton. From Raventree, Lord Blackwood. From Duskendale, Lord Darklin. The royal something. I don't know what this word is about King's Landing, had sent forth Hayfords, Rosby's, Stokeworth's, Massey's, and the King's own sworn swords, led by three knights of the King's Guard and stiffened by three hundred ravens' teeth, with tall white weirwood bows. Mad Lotson Lofston herself rode forth in strength from her haunted towers at Harrenhal, clad in black armor that fit her like an iron glove, her long red hair streaming. The light of the rising sun glittered off the points of 500 lances and 10 times as many spears. The knight's gray banners were reborn in half a hundred gaudy colors, and above them all flew two regal dragons on night-black fields. The great three-headed beast of King Ares, the first Targaryen, red as fire, and a white-winged fury breathing scarlet flame. Not maker after all, Dunk knew when he saw those banners. The banners of the Prince of Summerhall showed four three-headed dragons, two and two. The arms of the fourth-born son of the late King Darren Targaryen. A single white dragon announced the presence of the king's hand, Lord Brynden Rivers. Bloodraven himself had come to White Walls. So Bloodraven gets quite an introduction. <laughs> I want to hear more about this Mad Danelle Lust. I know! So she sounds like, awesome yeah. as shit. <laughs> Right, and like this, so basically it's like this other like hot ginger warrior chick, like, come on! Another like, yeah, like another cinematic imagery there. Right, exactly. Isn't that the same one that was purported to like bathe in blood and all that stuff? Yes, wasn't she? uh, Yeah, they had all the rumors. I feel like that's what they say about like every attractive (laughs) woman in Westeros, oh, she bathes in blood. It's like the Botox of Westeros. (laughs) (laughs) Blood Botox. <laughs> I wouldn't even worry about it. So, basically, <laughs> the arrival of Bloodraven effectively ends the second Blackfire Rebellion before it ever begins. As you guys mentioned, Damon tries to make a fight of it, but Bloodraven's men basically surround him and drag him off his horse, and that's it. <laughs> he tried to give a and little speech, too. 
everybody's trying to slake away too. <laughs> and oh like, yeah, we'll make another red grass field today, and it's like, why would you want to bring their attention back to red grass field when you lost? Yeah, right. oh. that's, not, that's not the right thing to bring up. That's a good point. <laughs> When you totally got your ass kicked, probably not. Do you remember that time all your dads and stuff got killed? (laughs) (laughs) Bad move. Everybody's just like, "Mm, yeah, not not happening. Dunk is taken prisoner along with basically everyone else, and it's hours before he's brought before Blood Raven. And he notices that Lord Peak and Tom Heddle have already been beheaded. And, you know, Dunk is nice enough to, like, close Lord Peak's eyes, you know, and he thinks that he owes him something because if he hadn't killed Sir Arlen's original squire, Dunk would have never become a squire. Which, you know, Dunk, <laughs> you're not a Lannister. You don't have to be paying all this stuff. It's <laughs> he's fine. too sweet. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's, like, way too Thanks sweet of these there. things. <laughs> And, you know, Bloodraven explains that Damon is basically a political prisoner because as long as, um, you know, Damon, the first eldest living son, is a prisoner, no one can use the next eldest son. Kind of uh, decreases his value. And Lord Butterwell was allowed to retain a tenth of his fortune and his wife, but the cat, but Bloodraven's going to knock the castle down. And interestingly enough, Lord Frey gets off scot-free. I was going to ask, so, what, you, what do you all think was up with that? Like, well, just he's he was, just a mover and a shaker and a shysty guy? <laughs> when he found out that, I think, you know, he found out that it was Egg and probably, you know, oh, okay. either, you know, sent a raven, ran and told, you know, he he went to the crown, you know, went to the crown in some way. He might have known who Maynard Plum was. No, he wouldn't have known who Plum was. But yeah, I mean, I think he did something. Yeah, covered his ass really quickly. (laughs) Yeah. Like the moment he found out that was Egg. (laughs) Which, you know, I mean, it's so funny because, like, even in here, they're like, you know, Lord Frey and his hideous son. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're perfectly setting up the Frey family, you know, the whole... (laughs) Although, like, you know, Walder's older sister seems kind of awesome. Like, I can't really hate her. (laughs) And so Dunk and Bloodraven have this conversation where essentially Dunk has to admit that they blundered into uncovering the rebellion with the help of the other hedge knights. And Egg demands that Sir Glendon in particular be rewarded. And Bloodraven, you can tell, is both amused and annoyed by his cousin's attitude. And who are you to tell the king's hand what to do? Egg did not flinch. You know who I am, cousin. Your squire is insolent, sir, Lord River said to Dunk. You ought to beat that out of him. I've tried, my lord. He's a prince, though. What he is, said Bloodraven, is a dragon. Which I was like, very cool. Like, oh, Bloodraven's so cool. I, I tried that once. I hit him that one time. <laughs> I keep threatening to cloud him in the head, but you know. And Bloodraven threatens to take them back to King's Landing as quote-unquote guests or to send them to Summerhall. But Egg says that his place is with Dunk, and also can they have some money, which I thought was really fantastic. <laughs> he's just, he's pushing it with all of, uh, you know, he's just pushing it with all of the confidence of a child there. Um, of a prince. Yeah, of a, of a dragon, I guess, right? And yeah. Dunk insists that, it, that it's only a loan, but... 
he's very much like a into, like a spoiled child all of a sudden, and there's like Bloodraven. You can tell is amused and annoyed by him and it reminds me a little bit of Bloodraven in you know one of my favorite chapters in any of the books which is Bran's third chapter in a game of thrones where he's you know having those visions of flying with flying with the raven and there's there's just like this appreciation i feel like of a child in the raven there you know when Bran's i'm flying and you know the raven says i see and it's just you kind of get that delight a little bit in Blood Raven, mm-hmm. which I feel like he's so stigmatized that we never, you know, we don't get the sense that he's a, you know, he's a human being, or at least yeah. he was a human being that, you know, enjoyed people, enjoyed life. Yeah, he'd be an interesting guy to get a beer with. You know, God, <laughs> you really, you know, if you're actually, well, that would be a good question. Like, who would be our top five people in that, Westeros to get a beer with? That would be. That's a perfect wow. question. Poll. <laughs> poll or Twitter uh, poll. following for a drunk cast. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, drunk cast. <laughs> um, I'm just going to read the, the last little bit of the end of this. Um, I have a question, too, said Egg. I begin, to, I begin to understand why your father was so willing to be rid of you. <laughs> what more would you have of me, cousin? Who took the dragon's egg? There were guards at the door and more guards on the steps. No way anyone could have gotten into Lord Butterwell's bedchamber unobserved. Lord Rivers smiled. Right, I guess I'd say someone climbed up inside the privy shaft. The privy shaft was too small to climb. Firm man. A child could do it. Or a dwarf, Dunk blurted. A thousand eyes in one. Why shouldn't some of them belong to a troop of comic dwarfs? <laughs> That's how the story ends. Which yeah. It's kind of a great, um, it's a great way for it to end. And I think, you know, again, we get the, you know, there's certainly an allusion back there to Varys and all of, you know, all of his eyes that he has, which we know, you know, which we know are those children. And, um, you know, we see it yet again, the ones we least expect. Any last, any last thoughts on this? The story is is different from the other two in that, it kind of reminds me of the Big Lebowski because it's like this um, serious <laughs> mystery plot, like conspiracy going on. But the main character is just this bumbling kind of idiot that's doesn't can't can't fully grasp. He's in over his head, uh, and the and the mystery is just happening to him. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I can see that. <laughs> it's it's not my favorite. Um, and I think that's because there's no love interest for Dunk. If you, if you're discounting um, the, the fiddler, oh, yeah, the fiddler. I mean, I feel like the fiddler was his best shot. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so one thing that this really makes me mad, though, is knowing that the next story in the series is supposed to be called "The She Wolves of Winterfell," and like, where is it, George? Damn it! Like, after after wins, oh, <laughs> after all of them, <laughs> we're never gonna get it. Um, I think we'll get it. We'll get it after wins. So we're never gonna get it. <laughs> I think yeah, wins will come out. It's the She Wolves of Winterfell, and then like five more that are supposed to be after that. Oh my gosh! Yeah, because I mean, even in the afterward, he says, um, "Oh." Wow. 
from Dorne to the Wall, their journeys will carry them across the length and breadth of the Seven Kingdoms and even beyond the narrow sea of the disputed lands and the shining cities of Essos. Oh, wow. Along the way, they will cross paths with lords and knights and sorcerers <laughs> and many a fair maid and noble lady to write their names into the annals of Westeros, never to be forgotten. Wow. Those are tales for another time. It's optimistic. It's like the ending of... Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, there's like the village hero, which is supposed to be in the Riverlands, the sellsword, which I'm assuming is probably in Essos, the champion, the king's guard, and then the lord commander is supposed to be the last one. And I'm oh, assuming God. that would be oh. where they die. You know what's oh, crazy? Because this could totally fit. Like, this seems w- way more um, suitable as a TV show, really, than the yes. a Song of Ice and Fire series, because it's so, it's so just that, you know, it's condensed. Like, it's not everywhere, but it's they're going. Condensed, but they're I moving everywhere, that- so. Like, casting Egg would be... I mean, although they've done really well casting children, but, ca- I mean, you'd have to cast someone that... You know, you'd have to have, like, a Daniel Radcliffe, basically, that could last from being, you know, a uh, small yeah, child. That yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. To being, cast, you know, an older... Cast any of the boys from Stranger Things. Oh! Yeah. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's so funny for all we bitch about D&D is that actually this is the story they probably should have adapted because it would play to all of their strengths, which are one-on-one. Like their strengths as writers are those one-on-one scenes. And all this series is, is one on, is like a bunch of series of one-on-one scenes with a few um, like one-on-one battles. Yeah. So like you would have to try really hard to like fuck these characters up. Exactly. So, yeah, that's a good point they would, too. <laughs> they would handle that. That's so I think they can. They would handle Duncan Egg really well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like you know a lot of people. I mean, they don't seem like nearly as difficult to adapt. Um, you know, I think the story's not as big, so I think there's a certain you know the interest level. I don't yeah. think would be as much, yeah. but well, I think they'd be like yeah. really charming. You it's know, got really a lot of charming stories. The pacing and the action and stuff it lends itself to me to like more of like screenplay type thing than you know. Yeah. It, it'd be easier to consume for the casual uh, mm-hmm. show watcher because it's more of like a simplistic mm-hmm. um, classic romance adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you know, like I know a lot of people with Game of Thrones. It's very much like, oh, all these bearded old men. I can't tell them apart. Well, I think right. you know, you can tell like the small bald child and the six and a half foot dude. Like. <laughs> That really shouldn't, you know, like, that should pretty much clear it up, and, you know, some of the, I think, like, all the various Targaryens, like, as a reader, it's like, I don't even, you know, who the hell knows who these people are, and that can get a little frustrating, but I think, um, you know, a, you know, a show doesn't have to show all of them, and that'd be the problem, like, really, Bloodraven and, you know, the various Targs and the Hedge Knight are the only ones we ever see. Yeah, and it's all, you know, it's all Dunk's POV, so that sort of takes another sort of, mm-hmm. you know, bit out of it, too, because it's... That's a little easier, I think, than jumping everywhere to a billion different point of views for a TV show. <laughs> yeah, so Chris Helmsworth for Dunk and one of the Stranger Things kids, Frank. I was literally for... just thinking that same thing. <laughs> I want, I want I someone like bigger. One of the Helmsworths. Yeah. I want someone huge, like a like a WWF wrestler or something like that. Oh, someone super head. big. Yeah, I mean, they kind of have to be so. I mean, and just. I mean, also be able to play dumb, which, I mean, I guess Chris Helmsworth can play dumb, but yeah, that... <laughs> play dumb, dumb without having it being boring. Yeah. Yeah. No. 
yeah, you have to have a certain amount of charm. And so I'm, you know, so just for the audience too, next week we'll have a, a special episode getting deeper into the Brienne versus Dunk parallels. And, you know, we're certainly accepting questions and comments on that episode up until, up until this week, basically. But, you know, then we're kind of saying goodbye to Dunk and Egg, and I'm really sad about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say goodbye. I want there to be more, but um, yeah, it's it's been like a good little journey with them, and yeah, I, I wish that there are a couple more stories to go. Are there any additional questions, Ian, this week? Oh, I got a couple, um, couple little comments on Tumblr. Uh, one is from Cutie Pillar Blog. It says, "We all know George R. R. Martin said we would have a bittersweet ending." What if that's about Jamie and Bran, like they finally declare their love for each other, but it cuts to black right before they bang? That would oh, be God. the biggest tease ever. <laughs> that sounds like something D&D would do for the series, you know? I just, you know, we just watched on TV and that's what happened. It'd be better than them dying at least, and then we could just imagine the banging in our head. We'd at least have that. Oh. <laughs> No, I'm afraid. I'm sure like they'll bang in the books, but it'll be horrible. <laughs> well, it'll be so yeah. <laughs> Just some of the, you know, we, we can't, you know, the whole the pink mast and everything. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be cringeworthy, I swear. I'm looking forward to cringe. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, too, am looking forward to the cringeworthy scene. Like, I don't care. Just let it make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, let's see. Uh, the next one is from Helium Taxi. It says, Hey, ladies. Love it. Looking forward to the next ep. A parallel I noticed was during the Hedge Knight when Dunk and Baylor discussed the punishment for hitting a prince. Baylor mentions a trial of seven, and Dunk thinks he has to fight seven guys on his own, which is crazy, right? Luckily, Baylor corrects him. It reminds him of Bri- It reminds. It reminded me of Brienne's big damn hero. No chance, no choice moment against the seven guys, except no one stopped that from happening, and her face got eaten. So that's where the parallel is, I guess. <laughs> it's just when you just say, like, what happens to her in a casual voice, it just sounds so ridiculous. And then her face got eaten. Oh, okay. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, I just, um, I think, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's, you kind of see it, to me, it's, it's less you see that less in Duncan his battle moments and more in like the choices that he makes. And I, I think like the scene of him, you know, he doesn't flee the castle here. He he's not gonna let Sir Glendon just, you know, get screwed out of this. He's gonna, you know, try what he can do and stand up to, you know, whoever he has to mm-hmm. in that moment to like do the right thing. And I, I think that's like where I see Dunk's real heroism come in more so than you know, in the in the battle and the fights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even like him getting into the trial by seven. You know, he was gonna help Tanzel no matter you know no matter who it was that was hurting her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think a, a part of that is kind of that he's he's not smart enough to realize the repercussions of his actions in the moment. He just kind of like acts on yeah. impulse because he knows it's the right thing to do. He doesn't necessarily know that that means he's gonna lose a hand or a foot, yeah. the royal whatever. But I mean, I think in this last story, I mean, you know, he's very, it's, he's very conscious in that moment of what he's doing. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, you aware know. of the consequences. Yeah. 
You know, Dunk's face hasn't gotten eaten, but he's getting pretty scarred up. He's got a yeah. scar on his face. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's so getting that. pretty scarred up. And how many, like, sexy. broken bones must he have? Like, yeah. poor little dude. <laughs> well, whenever he got into that fight with Tom Hiddle, Plum had just, like, wrapped his arm up and everything oh, and those yeah. bandages and stuff. And as he's fighting with Tom Hiddle, it opens up that gash he had gotten. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, poor dude. Walk it off. Yeah, walk it off. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be okay. Walk it off. <laughs> uh, we got one from Wonkins. Hey. You want me to read it, Wonkins? Yeah, I, I, I knew I wasn't going to be able to, like, say it all, off the top of my head, so I had to, like, write it down. That's why I wrote it in. Okay. Um, Go for it. Okay. On the previous episode, there was a small trivial question about Underleaf technically che- cheated in the tilt against Dunk. I'd say yes. This was an illegal move because aiming at the head is lethal. But shifted his lance high at the last second allowed him to conceal it as an accident. Okay. Accidents are expected in joust, like in any physical sport. It's pretty challenging to keep the point of a heavy 13-foot lance aimed correctly when your horse is running at full speed and you're covered full plate on will play armor. If Underleith had aimed his lance at Dunk's head right out of the gate, he definitely would have been immediately disqualified for the previous cheat and potentially fined an honor price to Dunk. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering that, and that was my sort of thing. Like, I felt like they had to have some rules, and I tried to Google it afterwards, but I couldn't find, you know, there were loose rules, but I couldn't find out if that, to me, it would seem like there have to be rules to that. You know, otherwise, it's chaos, you know. I picture, like, these, like, people in black and white striped tunics, like, (laughs) 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 Yeah, just like in in any sport, people get good at, um, covering up their their cheating yeah. to making it look like an accident. That makes sense. Sir, yeah. Sir Uther is the Tom Brady of uh, exactly the joust. Yeah. yeah Sorry, yeah. New England. Because otherwise, you couldn't get people to join if if they were always afraid. But you know, things happen. I'm sure, and people die. But you know, well, yeah. yeah. Or like in the Knight's Tale, where the you know the bad guy has that easily crushable point of his lance and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be. Yeah, like all of my knowledge of Joe Sabotage. Yeah. <laughs> and then, did you have a final question, Wonkins? I do. So, A Song of Ice and Fire is full of uh, shady, like, gray characters. There's very ra- rare cases of people being fully evil, like, mostly just sympathy for the devil a lot going on. But in, in the case of uh, The Tales of Duncan Egg... Do you guys think that Dunk might be, or Egg even, might be like the only example of a truly good character in the universe? Hmm. Um, I mean, I think it def- you know depends on how you define good. So you know, the example I'm going to give is Davos. So Davos was a smuggler, but does that make him morally bad in that universe? Like, is smuggling a moral bad? I don't, you know, I don't necessarily think so. Um, especially was, in, like, a time, in a time of war, I kind of am like, eh, I don't know that it is. He was willing to kill a woman uh, when he was when he attacked Melisandre, if I can play devil's advocate against Davos. Yeah, but, I mean, is willing to kill a woman worse than willing willing to kill a man? I mean, you know, it's definitely I don't know. not knightly. It's against their vows. Yeah. Yeah, hmm. yeah. I mean, 
I, I would say Davos is up there, and I think you know Brienne. Like, what has Brienne done that's you would consider not good? Oh, do Duncan Egg books or was it? I think all? the entire universe. The entire universe. Was, okay. Yeah. Huh. Brand's a pretty good example. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Yeah. What do you think, Devin? Oh, yeah, Brienne is the only one I can think of. Tommen. <laughs> I don't know if he counts because he's too little. I don't know. Too soon. Show well, Tommen make he, a few mistakes. I think he does count in a way because I wouldn't say that about Bran. You know, like we've seen Bran kind of turn yeah. a bit to the dark. You know, there's Bran's doing some really questionable things at a very young age, and you know, you know, Tommen isn't. So, Tommen's like so playing sweet. with kittens. Yeah. You know, yeah. and he's in the thick of things. I, I don't consider Book Tommen to be a fully developed character. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I wouldn't either. I mean, adorable, fully adorable character. But. And even Egg, you know, I mean, Egg is, you know, Egg kind of has some shady instincts. Yeah, I could see, yeah, I could kind of see him. Like, he's way more about, like, getting stuff done rather than necessarily okay. doing it by the book, which I feel like Dunk's a little bit more by the book. Mm-hmm. Where Egg I, I would... I'm I'm really curious now. I challenge any listeners who can come up with any reason why Bran would be a uh, gray character to write in. So I'm, I'm, I'm I bet there's always evidence because these books have yeah. so much detail in them. You know, <laughs> so I would, they're always you know, I would say this. I would say this about Brienne. I bet probably in the in the winds of winter we're probably going to see more more oh, gray yeah. Brienne. I mean her her time is coming pretty soon. Yeah. And he's even hinted that. The deal with Lady Stoneheart might make her gray. Yeah. But I I mean, I don't, I mean, to me, the only way, I don't know that Lady Stoneheart could make her gray because I, I see it as perhaps a difficult decision for Brienne because of her kind of warped sense of honor. But for any rational person, it shouldn't be a difficult, it shouldn't be a difficult situation. Yeah, George did I mean, give the her difficulty an out. is yeah. in choosing... You know, the difficulty is in choosing potentially between Hyle and Pod versus Jamie. But, you know, choosing her oath to, you know, Catelyn slash Stoneheart over, you know, her, over her life, over her, you know, her love, her friend, you know, everything else. That but seems like a bit one-sided. We haven't seen how that is going to turn out yet. Yeah. We, don't, we, don't, we don't know what she's going to do with Jamie now that she has him. No, yeah. I think we know it. She's not <laughs> I mean, genuinely, no, I, I don't really, you know, I think we all like imagine, but I, I don't think that's going to happen, at least, you know, certainly not right away. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Anything else, anyone? Any last words? Um, What was everybody's favorite out of the three? Oh. I, I love A Hedge Knight. It's my, definitely my favorite. Mm-hmm. I think I liked this one because I liked the humor of it. There's like a lot of, you know, I like the humor and I like the camaraderie of the various hedge knights. Yeah, I like this one a lot too. I really did. And I don't know if it's just the progression of reading the three and then getting to the end, but I don't know. I like this one a lot. This one's probably my least favorite. <laughs> I just like all of them. Yeah, I like all of them too. I think the hedge knight is probably my favorite, but I really yeah. love this one because I love Blood Raven. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Blood Raven's just cool. <laughs> you know, here's like okay, here's a silly way to end it. Um, when I think of Blood Raven in my head though, 
all I can think of is Mr. Burns from The Simpsons. <laughs> I picture him kind of looking like a version of that. And I don't know why, but it's just like that's what's in my head. Oh, wow. I pictured him a little bit hotter than that. <laughs> or maybe a lot. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of him like now that he's you know, yeah, like 100 plus older. Years yeah, old. I could he's picture like the tree, Mr. the tree blood raven. <laughs> yeah, tree blood raven is like Mr. Burns. <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, thank you so much for um, joining us, and thanks to the audience for reading through all these books with us. It's been a really fun, a really fun several weeks doing this. Um, so, if you like what you hear, we hope you support our podcast and become a Patreon, and you'll get benefits like special episodes and exclusive early episode access to new episodes. Listen and review us on iTunes. Um, instead of calling out the Philippines, I'm going to actually call out Canada. Because I haven't heard jack shit from Canada oh, in, like, Canada. months. And, you know, oh, Canada, if someone sends in a review, I think we probably could as a group or maybe just me, like, saying, oh, Canada for you. I would totally do that. It doesn't take a lot to make me sing, oh, Canada. Not going to lie. Um, I might even do it in French. <laughs> I have a feeling Canada is going to have an influx population soon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. so we might have more listeners because of Say that. So. Yeah, let's hope not. <laughs> um, yeah, as we're recording this, the presidential debates are on. Oh, so I know. I know. <laughs> so we're all probably feeling a bit vulnerable and edgy. Um, find us on Tumblr, Twitter, and Facebook, and email us at close the door and at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, everyone. I'm closing the door. Get out.